Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation Point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Needs, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hi, Susan. How are you doing this evening? Oh, the weather has been so beautiful. Windy as all get out, but really beautiful. How has it been where you are? Uh, it's been so spring-like. It's been from 50s, then down to snow, 
and going to get warm. Well, it got a little warmer and now going back down to the 20s this weekend. So very spring-like. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. You remember that the tulip bulbs you sent me because the ground was frozen, I had to plant in a pot. Yes. And one, two, uh, three, four of them are pushing their noses up. Oh, yay. Yay. That's awesome. <laughs> I was thinking about those tulips this week, so there you go. I love well, them. Well, we will watch them grow. Lovely. My tomato plant. You remember that a volunteer tomato decided to come into the house. It was a tiny little thing, and it's now taller than I am by a lot. Covered in flowers. There must be 100 flowers on it, and it's setting fruit. One, two, three. So far, there's seven cherry tomatoes set on it, but there's going to be so many cherry tomatoes on this thing. (laughs) What a generous volunteer tomato plant. What a generous volunteer tomato plant. Golly gee. And, hey, (laughs) our work is really coming along with the Comfrey Conference. And um, as soon as I approve it, which will be within the next 24 hours, the new e-zine will be out. And the e-zine will have a link to the presenters page. And there you'll be able to see pictures (laughs) of the 15 people who are presenting at the Comfrey Conference. And if you touch their picture, you will hear a little <clears throat> five-minute chat between the presenter and I in which I ask them, what are you presenting at the country conference? What are you going to teach us? And so you can hear them talk about their classes, their videos in their own words. Marvelous. Enough, oh, enough reading, right. And now you are working on scheduling all of their Zoom sessions, right? That's so right. somebody might say, you know, well, why even like bother to like go to the Comfrey Conference when it's happening? Why not just like sign up for it, and then I'll have lifetime access, and I can just do it whenever I want to. Well, you, you can, and we want you to, but the presenters are only going to do one Zoom session each, mm-hmm. and they're only going to do it May 9th through 15th, the week of the Comfrey Conference. So if you want to be able to interact with the presenters, if you want to be able to ask them questions, then you actually need to listen to the presentation so that you can be, you know, intelligent enough to interact with them. So that's one of the reasons that we ask all of the presenters to, to be present for us so that we can have some interaction with them. And I'm really looking forward to it. I certainly had a great time talking with each and every one of them to make the little uh, five-minute um, talks about their classes. Wow. How about, how about you, Sarah Ellen? Are you in, enjoying interacting with all of them? Oh, very much, yes. I had a wonderful opportunity to help one of the presenters record her presentation the other day, and it was so fascinating. And I will just say it really drove home to me why you do want to be able to interact in the Zoom sessions because she said some things that I never even would have thought of and really provoked some questions in my mind. So I definitely um, encourage people to 
make themselves available during that week because the Zoom sessions will really tie in nicely to any questions that come up from the information because it's going to be so robust. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Letters, 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 letters. Oh, my goodness, I continue to get so many wonderful letters. Here is a letter from Astrid Grove. Astrid, um, in many ways, um, you know, was like the er apprentice. She came. She intended to stay for a shorter while. She stayed for a longer while. She came back as an intern. She's kept constantly in touch. In fact, at this point, we talk every week. Um, but through all of that time, and it was over 30 years ago that she apprenticed, we have stayed connected. <clears throat> and wow. so she she was distressed um, by the the uproar that was going on. And all of the misinformation that was out there and pressure was being put on her. And so she wanted to make a statement. And here's her statement. I am grateful every single day for what I learned during my time with Susan. And it has shaped me into the wise herbalist, midwife, and mother that I am today. I was a shamanic apprentice at the Wise Women's Center from 2001 to 2002 and lived with Susan for over 13 months. I've always considered the time there as my rite of passage into womanhood, and Laughing Rock Farm is my Avalon. I have visited many times over the year to lead workshops and do healing work, and I still listen to Susan's radio show every single week. Hi, Astrid. I also come regularly to visit Susan because she is my teacher, my sister, and my friend. What did I learn at the Wise Woman Center? Well, I learned how to cook milk goats, tend goats, and meat rabbits, make cheese and yogurt. I learned how to give death to goats and rabbits and prepare their bodies into food. I was taught how to compost and how to grow food and herbs. I was instructed in botany, plant identification, wild crafting, and the preparation of herbal remedies. I helped build a house. I participated in weekly Tai Chi and yoga classes. I learned how to walk in the woods in the dark without a flashlight. I learned how to create ceremony. I went to Moon Lodge. I learned how to live in power. I learned how to not be a victim. I learned about myself, who I am, and what makes me unique. I accessed my confidence. I did not go to Susan to learn about the plants. I went to learn about myself, to confront my fears, to experience the darkness and find my power there. Well, of course, I did learn about the plants in ways I never could have envisioned. I emerge from time with Susan as a fiercely empowered woman. I give thanks every day for all that she has and continues to teach me. Thank you, Astrid. Wow, blessed be. That's so beautiful. Blessed be, yeah. It's nice. It's so nice, you know. When when people are bullying you, to have people stand up and say, we support you. And I really see that playing out in the world right now, too. That on the world stage, there's a big bully. And everybody is standing up and saying, we'll support you. Mm. And I'm glad. And if I haven't already mentioned, well, let me mention, if I have, it bears repeating. All... Oh, those tanks and 
bombs and planes are all run on electronic equipment. That means electrons. Do you know how easy it is to move electrons? Hmm. Five minutes a day of disrupting the electron flow in the tanks and planes and armaments of the bullies has already led to quite a lot of equipment failure. Wow. So we don't have to stand helplessly by when there are bullies. And I was just talking about whether or not I should read this. And I think so, because it really sheds a different perspective. It like opens a different window. Recently, I read a really negative post about you from the Appalachian School of Herbs. Shared an account of a woman who had quite the story, and it upset me, as I'm sure it did you and others. It was a very scary story, and, and people were saying really negative things. Uh, I have to tell you that it made me upset and depressed for days. Uh, I'd never been with you in person, so I didn't have any of my own experience to go against. Women's claims, I only had my phone conversations and Zoom meetings with you, and those have all been positive. Your books are excellent resources. And you're really the only herbalist I know that works with all seven rivers. So many in the health sector say no to pharmaceuticals, but then yes to expensive and unregulated supplements and special diets, cleanse, purge, restrict, repent. A clear voice of reason, and you have helped many people. I actually spent several hours reading comments and looking at different sources of information, and I finally decided that someone's claims were created in an attempt to get money from you. And since you didn't pay up, she decided to make her story public. In the end, I found that she was the scary one, even though her intent was to try to make you look scary. And that made me think about my own experiences on my herbal journey. The school that made the post, I actually I actually wanted to attend that school. Uh, 2015, I reached out and I booked an appointment to visit him. I I was living far away, and I had to travel to to go for the appointment. I confirmed with the school, and they replied they'd be there and ready for me. Uh, I was using up my savings to to pay, and and it was going to move there to find a living situation and a job. I really needed to be sure it was a good decision. My boyfriend at the time traveled with me. So I bought two plane tickets, rented a car, paid for two nights at an Airbnb, got in on Friday. The appointment was for 3 p.m. on Saturday. We showed up a little before 3. The school was closed, no one around. We waited for two hours. There was a sign on the door that said, be back at 1. I phoned the number I had, but no one answered. I sent an email, and there was no reply. We left. We had to fly out the following morning. I had to get out of work to go, and I was out, you know, over $800 for travel expenses, lodging, and food, and I didn't even get an apology when I reached out to them afterwards. And I thought, this is the school that's sharing that negative story. You know, to me, they seem really unprofessional. 
Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Very One of the fun summer to travel all that way and not be met by anybody that would not be fun. <laughs> she goes on to say, you know, that in fact it was money well spent since she wound up not going to the school because of it. Mm. Wow. Yeah. But We, one of the fun things that we do with The Apprentices is we share a Scientific American book called Power of Ten. And um, it's Powers of Ten, actually, Powers of Ten. And it starts off, you know, with pretty much a blank, black picture, which is the entire, this is the entire universe. And then it gets smaller, 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 smaller. Until you're actually, you know, looking at somebody laying on a blanket and then looking at their hand and then looking at a cell and then smaller, 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 smaller till you write down into the subatomic level. And we talk to them about powers of ten in life. And it's good to be able to shift your perspective. Hmm. Yeah. In fact, I think it's, in fact, I think it's one of the shamanic skills is to, especially when you're feeling stuck or pushed by something, um, see if there's a, you know, what happens if you look at it from a different power of ten. Hmm. Yeah. I like that. I've never heard of it as the power of ten. Definitely, as a different perspective, that's so helpful. But I love the full hint of the powers of ten and the exercise that you. It was a great visual of going through the body from the whole body down to the cell. So yeah, perspective. Yeah. Our guest tonight is Luba Evans. She is one of the most sought-after, acclaimed, and distinguished love and relationship coaches in the world for highly accomplished professional women who want to live their best life. She's been doing this work for over 20 years and has been recognized as making a significant contribution to human development. And she's going to talk to us about the love blueprint and leading with the feminine. That's at 9 o'clock East Coast time or whatever time it is where you are. Hang in with us or come back. Have we missed anything that's been going on with you or should we go right into the questions? Um, yeah, it's just been, I've been flowing with the weather here and enjoying spring in Chicago land. So, um, yeah, we can just move right into questions. All right. Sounds great. I will remind everybody listening, if you've got a question for Susan tonight and want to speak live on the line, please remember to press 1 on your telephone keypad so that you can get yourself lined up in the queue. At this time, we have one caller, two callers that have raised their hands, and the first one has dialed in from the 206 area code. From the 206, you are live with Susan. 
Hi, Susan. It's Shay. Hi. Hi. How are you? It's good to to hear you. Um, so I am calling tonight because uh, I have some things to talk about regarding my neck. I threw some information at you really quickly two weeks ago. I was the last caller on the line before the guest. Um, and you gave me the reminder to just not make any decisions based in fear. Um, so I held that with me, and I took an advocate with me in the form of my friend Colleen um, to the orthopedic appointment just um, so we could stay kind of there. So the deal is I had a diagnosis of cervical radiculopathy, so pinched nerve in my neck, and um, in November, I started getting these terrible headaches, headaches that would last for days. They, they got really, really bad in January, and I called you, and we talked about it. And so I went in for an MRI um, without contrast, and the MRI results came back, and I was referred to an orthopedic surgeon because there was an atypical hemangioma found in my cervical spine. And they said it was atypical because if you looked at it from a certain angle on the image, they said that if it's a hemangioma, it's made of fat, water, and blood vessels, and you, it should light up on, on the image in a particular way because of the fat and water content and it did not. So the surgeon was saying, you know, I'm almost certain, you know how they do it, I'm almost certain that it is just a hemangioma. You know, they, these are normal things. They are usually asymptomatic. It's benign, usually benign. But just to rule it out, I really think you should get a CT scan. And I said, well, thank you for that information. I will think about that. And he said, uh, can I ask why? Because, of course, they get super defensive when you stand in your power. And I was like, no, that's fine. Um, I'll, take, I'll think about that. So, so there's this thing with the hemangioma, and I am thinking about it. And I don't know, Susan, intuitively, I don't feel like I'm in danger, you know. And um, I talked to my massage therapist, who is my energy worker, and she said she, does, she doesn't feel a threat from it. Um, so I just, he tried to rationalize the CT scan and say, well, if you're concerned about the radiation, you would get more radiation taking a flight from the West Coast to the East Coast than you would in this CT scan, and I was like, okay, well, I'll think about that. That's not and then true. The other... I'm not sure why, yeah. why they say that. It's not true. Uh, I didn't think it was true. And so if, you have if you have abundantly well, there's actually a chart. Yeah, I should look at that. Thanks for the reminder. I didn't believe him either, and I wasn't going to get into a back and forth. I was just like, okay, thanks for the information. Awesome. I'll think about yeah. it. Um. The other, the other diagnosis, though, with the, um, the pinched nerve, they did find degenerative um, factors where there's, like, some stenosis in my 
cervical spine, there's like a, I guess, a very narrowing of the opening where the nerve comes through. And so it seems like that might be causing these terrible headaches and some numbness and not exactly numbness, but like some tingling in my arms. So I wanted to ask you what your ideas are. I can tell you the ideas that I have. Um, I am going to get physical therapy I had the idea of cranial sacral therapy. I had the idea of massage and acupuncture, um, maybe a home traction device. Do you have any experience with those? Let me give you first a more general answer. Yes. Because it's always a little daunting when we're facing something that's causing us distress and when we have a diagnosis, but maybe not the whole diagnosis, so what do we do and how do we know if we're doing the right thing? And that's, yeah. why, I, that's why I created the seven medicines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you want to sit down and you want to say, what am I doing that is step zero? Yeah, Okay. How am I incorporating in a significant way letting go of any outcome? Mm-hmm. The fear comes from needing to have a certain outcome. And when we need to mm-hmm. have a certain outcome, then we get anxious about making the right decisions. Yeah. And if we can start with acknowledging chaos Mm. and understanding that there aren't any right decisions. Oh, yes. And being a little more playful about the whole thing, then we're likely to at the very least, enjoy ourselves more no matter where our journey takes us. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it helps to have a step zero practice because the mind can just pick us up and kidnap us and run away with us. Mm-hmm. And one of my step zero practices, especially when... I'm in the middle of a situation that's really taking up a lot of airspace between my ears, is to choose a color. And when all of that starts going off, I look at that color, I think about that color, and I just am that color. Mm-hmm. And I find the always present peace, joy, bliss, peace and bliss of the universe. Mm-hmm. And really, what more do I need? Mm-hmm. So that's step zero. Do nothing. And welcome it. And then step one, collect information. When 
I was working on Abundantly Well. And wonderful artist, Erga Bernhardt, um, who also did the Comfrey, Goddess, Comfrey Conference, was drawing the all seven medicines in one drawing. And we were going back and forth, I mean, and back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth about it. I said, no, change this, no, change that, no, change this. And finally she said, rah, rah, rah. And I said, will you let me work on it with you? And she said, yes. And we were like passing the drawing back and forth, which was a lot more fun. And I did that tunnel. I don't know if you're familiar with that drawing. It's in the gap. And there's a tunnel from step one, gather information, to step seven, deep medicine. And it's very easy, like in the game of shoots and ladders, to get distracted when you think you're seeking information and you suddenly find yourself in deep medicine. So yeah. And they're trying to justify it. They're trying to say, oh, it's not really, it's just a little radiation. I mean, gee, it's no big deal at all. And your instinct is, yes, it is a big deal. So one of the things that I find helps to guide me is my dreams. Mm-hmm. And how I experience various things. So, how do you, how do you hone your ability to know what what that is? One way to do it is to live for a certain period of time, like a day, as though you had chosen one path and then live for the same amount of time as though you had chosen a totally different path and see how you feel on those two days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we've already established that there aren't any wrong choices. Yeah. Well, whatever you choose, you have to live with. So it's more fun to choose that which you will enjoy living with most. Oh, that's so beautiful. What a radical reframe. And it just brings me, like, right back, just right back to the ground, right back to my center. Yeah. And the next mm-hmm. thing to do is engage the energy. What? Mm-hmm. That can be prayer, that can be affirmation, that can be, you know, homeopathy, it can be acupuncture. The arena of energy is the shaman's playground, and it's as wide and fanciful as the human imagination. And especially here, we come to one of the things that having the seven medicines is designed to prevent, which is choosing one particular step and then choosing a lot of different variations on that step. Uh Aha. Mm-hmm. 
And most of the things that you said, what about this, what about this, what about this, are all the Fifth River alternative medicine. Mm-hmm. So the next step after engaging the energy is nourish and tonify, which is also stimulate and sedate. And heat, mm-hmm. you're asking that heat certainly is part of stimulating and sedating, so it's not quite into alternative medicine yet. And I don't know what your body wants is that heat, but you can ask your body. And or you can go someplace where there is a sauna and sit in the heat and see how you respond to it before you make a big commitment to it. Mm-hmm. But certainly for myself, in that kind of situation, I would want to ally myself with herbs that would help me no matter what. In other mm-hmm. words, maybe these herbs could help me relieve what was going on. And if they didn't and I needed to go into stronger things like alternative medicine or pharmaceutical medicine or even surgery that these herbs could still companion me and sustain me through those harsher steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So three that are like my loves are burdock root, chickweed, and schisandra berry. Wonderful. And in addition to those, are you also drinking nourishing herbal infusions? Oh, yes, Susan, religiously. Good, good. Good, good. All right. (laughs) Just talking. (laughs) I also am called to keep doing that comfrey, um, those cold comfrey compresses that you told me about in that neck area. I feel called to just make that, you know, keep, Keep working with that. That's exactly what I mean. You will be called. You will feel pulled. You will You will be able to know what it is that will help because you've already made those choices available to yourself. Hmm. So, yes, yay cold comfrey compresses. It's so helpful to be reminded of the seven medicines. It's like this path through the cacophony, you know. It's like, okay, 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 there's, there's a path here, and, and I can take these steps. It's very helpful. Good. 
Thank you for sharing with us, and I hope you will continue to as your story unfolds. Share with us because we're interested now. Thank you so much for everything, Susan. Blessed you. I love you. Bye. Green blessings. Good night. All right, and I'll remind everyone, if you have a question this evening, do remember to press 1 on your keypad to get yourself lined up in the queue. And we have one caller with their hand raised, dialed in from the 631 area code. From the 631, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. Um, how are you doing? Enjoying um, today. How about you? Very good. Thank you. Um, so I'm calling on behalf of my daughter, who is 14 years old, and from about the time she's six, she's been having problems with her eyes, um, chalesians and pyogenic granuloma. And, I don't know what those uh, are. Those are just diagnosed Mia. Uh-uh. If you could tell me what she actually experiences, it would be more meaningful to me. Yeah, yeah. So they're like cysts. She gets, like, growths in between her eyelid and her eyeball. And it could be anywhere on the eye um, and either eye. And she gets little the, growths, like little warts. I guess so, or like a cyst. Or like a cyst, uh-huh. Yeah. And they're painful? Painful. The whole eye gets swollen. Uh-huh. Irritated, affects her vision. And this and happens daily, weekly, monthly? No, so about from the time she's six and she's 14 now, it would start in the beginning, they'd come and go. And then in the last five years, she's actually had to go the route of having them surgically removed uh, three times so far. And she's got, it's, it's come back again. And so I was just kind of seeking alternatives because we've always been going down this conventional road. And like I hate to see her get knocked out again, you know. And, and it keeps coming back. The last one she had was six months ago. Okay, so that answers my question. They're not happening every day or every week or even every month. Annually. So um, even though she's been having them since she's six, when she was six and seven, it was like once a year. Um, yeah, at least once once a year. So like I said, the last one was six months ago. Right. And then, and then probably, well, you said that they have been coming closer together now. About at least once a year. So. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Pre- yeah. The previous and the year before that. Just on an off chance, and you may not be able to answer this at all, we're saying on a yearly basis, is it actually like my sweetheart got bitten by a spider? And mm-hmm. every year, almost on the exact date, his ear swells up. Hmm. Is it always the same time of the year when this happens? 
Yes. It was uh, six months because ago. Because the body, the body seems to remember. So one of the reasons that I don't generally think that secondhand consultations work is that we have completely exhausted everything that you and I can talk about. And I can't talk to you about what might be going on in terms of this yearly recurrence that's affecting her vision. Because that's a conversation between her and I, not between you and I. Okay. Yeah, I did ask her if she wanted to. And being at well, you know, and that's the, that's the second reason that I don't do secondhand consultations. Because if somebody doesn't want to talk to me, what really are the chances that they're going to do what I suggest? I hear you. <laughs> well, she's still young, so I, she's. I understand, but she is yeah. still. She, you know, I don't. To my mind, we are never too young to make our own health care decisions. Right. I encourage my daughter to start making her own health care decisions, but as soon as she could really understand what I was talking about. You know, when she was like three or four, by the time she was. Six or seven, you know, I was marking books and having her read about different things that she could do. So, you know, to me, 14 is already a young adult. Mm -hmm. In fact, the vast majority of 14-year-old girls on this planet are married. Well, to be honest, unfortunately, she's more connected to the culture, the conventional culture, and believes more in that stuff. And I'm slowly trying to get her to understand, you know, that the way the system is. Um, But she's just more like not in tune with like your world, like I haven't been able to raise her quite that way because her mother's not totally like that. Right. Yeah. 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 And again, that's, that's why I don't do secondhand consultations. Okay. Well, I appreciate (laughs) it. But thank you for asking. I appreciate how much you love your daughter. Yes. Thank you. Okay. 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 Bye-bye for now. All right, and we've got one caller who has pressed one to signal that they have a question, and they have dialed in from the 808 area code. From the 808, you are live with Susan. Oh, hi, Susan. It's Sean from Hawaii. Hey, Sean. Hey, how's everything doing in Hawaii? Oh, it's great, and uh, I love hearing the story about someone um, picking the right herbal school, because I've picked about four, and I've done about four different six-month programs, and it reminded me of um, that they cost between the ones that I've picked. I've picked uh, four different herbalist programs that I've attended, and they cost between $1,200 and $4,000, and of course, the 
one that cost $4,000 was a terrible fit, and I had to abruptly stop attending a month and a half in. But um, I do believe that I honored that financial commitment, and I got the full power <laughs> of attending that program, and I remained friends and acquaintance with most of the classroom. And, um, it, you know, it's very interesting, though, that meeting a financial commitment is often part of the schooling process. And uh, I love that, uh, that I learned that from you. Um, but I have a question tonight, Susan, about child rearing, <laughs> unless you want to comment. <laughs> Sean, do you have a secret child somewhere? <laughs> do I have a what? I was teasing that you had a secret child somewhere, and then I was just remembering that you sent me pictures of a neighbor's child. Yeah, and they visit often, and they actually will help me grind the coffee beans. They always want to do something if I'm doing if so. I let them help. They strain infusions. They're four years old and six years old, and they uh, they stir the infusions with the chopstick after I pour the water in it. And, All right. Um, they also help me squeeze it through the cheesecloth. Um, yeah. Depending on the time of day that they come over. <laughs> right. Right. And don't they love doing that? It's a, it's a blast because even if I run the electric floor sweeper, they'll want to help me with anything that I'm doing. And it's oh, it's such a joy to have kids around me and um, to try to um, understand what um, I showed you the video of her playing with the turtle, and she was stabbing yes, the turtle. Yes, face. yes. She was stabbing the turtle's face with a celery stick, <laughs> and we oh, were no. horrified. <laughs> And um, and then recently I saw her really mistreating one of these invasive li- lizards and just being very cruel. And I don't, I, I, I just react like with a loud voice in shock. And then I'm like, I don't want to play with you anymore. You're mean to animals. And I'm like, I just want to ask Susan because I asked my friend who's an elementary school teacher and she had a completely different answer. So I wanted to hear your answer like, how do you um, teach children to be less cruel to animals? I don't know, because <laughs> I know they're, intu- they're they're so interested in nature, and they want to just be part of nature, and I guess killing animals is part of it. <laughs> it varies, of course, from child to child, but I have always believed that we do children a disservice to think that they are emotionally uneducated. They know that they are hurting something. And part of what's going on is they want to know if no. And I believe that a direct statement of the fact is very effective. I see you pushing that celery stick into the turtle's face. Will you give me the celery stick so I can push it into your face, please? Now, what's going to happen? 
Still there, Sean? Yeah, that's very specific. And um, I'm, I'm thinking of two. Is that child going to give you the celery stick? Probably not, right? But when she has the Jackson, she's playing with the Jackson chameleon, and it's on the end of a stick, and it looks like something out of a fairy tale. And then she mm-hmm. starts walking with the stick, and she flings it on the ground, and I'm, oh, I'm like, oh! <laughs> I go from one thing to another. But um, my friend who's an elementary school teacher said that some children whose parents may use methamphetamine are just damaged, and uh, you said it ranges from child to child. And, um, yes, yeah, and you, just, um, you, you give them the proper attention without giving them the negative attention. Thank you. <laughs> right. I see what you're doing. And I don't have to say it's right or it's wrong, but I have to be willing to put it in context. Grandmother Twyla told us a lot of stories from her childhood about that and how she climbed up on a roof once. And what her parents did was very simple. They took the ladder and they left her up there. And they never told her that she shouldn't get the ladder and put it up against the roof and climb up to the top of the roof. They never disciplined her. They simply took the ladder away. And when they felt she had gotten it, they brought the ladder back. So how can we make how can we make life real to everyone? Not just to children, but to each other as what, well. What, what I handed to her was um, just rejection, just like another child would do. Um, I don't want to play with you. I, I, right, and there's certainly know, nothing wrong with that. That gets the point yeah. across, too. Yes. But it doesn't establish but, um, you as, though, as an adult. Teaching, that, but that was a teaching moment when we could have yes. showed her sticking celery in your face may be very unpleasant. Very unpleasant. You're right. <laughs> If you say, you know, let me have the celery so I can poke it in your face, the chances are she will not give you the celery, and the chances are very strong that she won't poke it in the turtle's face either. Although, again, there are some children who will and, 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 poke and it I'm in the turtle's face it, just it, because. It, it, it is exactly. a tortoise. It's not a turtle. It's a land tortoise. <laughs> yeah. So oh, I right. don't get that. Tortoise, I'm sorry. <laughs> and you said that her parents are, use methamphetamine. And... I, is it possible that she, that she is children's brains, possible that she is experiencing some anger at her parents? Absolutely, because they've abandoned her and are unable to take care of her. Yeah. So yeah. Well, guess what? When you're um, three, you're not going to get angry at your parents. You're going to take it out on a lizard. Yeah. Right on. That that's coming from a real place, and yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And so I, we absolutely get it that we don't want her to be mean to anything. On the other hand, things are being mean to her. And to celebrate different children, because some children have more Sprite and, you know, spunk. <laughs> we all react to the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune in different ways. 
Yeah, it comes out. So another possibility, and I don't know about your relationship or if this would go at all, but another possibility, when you see that, you know, when you see her fling the lizard to the ground, you go over to her and you hug her and you say, I love you very much. Yeah. 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 And I want to stay, I want to, I want to be, yeah, I do. <laughs> So, yeah. All right. Turn on the love. That always works. Thank you. That works too, you know. And, it, you know, it's just, you know, just a, a, a skitter step to the side enough that she's, like, caught unawares. <laughs> yes. Make that a, a total uh, inopportunity in to show some love. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah, because I know um, me shrieking and acting emotional isn't isn't the answer. I know that's not the answer. Let me try to get my message less confusing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it was, it, it was lovely talking to you, Susan. And I'll, I'll call back in a few weeks and um. Give you more stuff, okay? <laughs> That's good, Sean. Lots of love. Green blessings. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. I can't say good night. It's probably noon where he is. <laughs> yeah, Hawaii. Wow, Sean. Right. I've met him before. And up there at your place, he's so nice. It's it's always so lovely when he calls. Like it's, yes. it's fun to hear again what he's up to. <laughs> Um, all right, so I'll remind everyone uh, listening, if you've got a question this evening, please remember to press 1 on your keypad. And looks like right now we've got lots of callers in the queue and no hands raised. Um, I've got a couple email questions. If Good. You would like let's, to do let's, that. let's add them. All right. Okay, let's do that. Okay. Hello. Thanks for reading my question. I seem to regularly get ingrown toenails, always my big toes, either side of either toe. I try to go barefoot, wear wide toe sandals, and roomy shoes if they are closed toe. I also am a dancer, and I wear ballroom dance shoes with a two-and-a-half-inch heel and closed toes. When I have ingrown toenails, it makes dancing uncomfortable, and the dancing makes the toenails seem more ingrown. Any suggestions to reduce the occurrence of the toenails getting ingrown or helping them heal faster when I get them? Comfrey, soak your feet in comfrey. You can soak your feet in comfrey infusion, hot or cold, or lukewarm or whatever you like. You can... Um, put the spent plant material from your comfrey infusion into a shallow pan and stick your toesies in that. The thing about soaps, which is kind of a drag, is that it's more effective to do them more frequently than it is to do them for a long time. In other words, you get more effect from any kind of soaker, putting your feet in the comfrey, if you do it three times for five minutes and if you do it once for an hour. 
And of course, what I don't like about that is it's messy, and you got to do it and put it away and do it and put it away and 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 and. But that is nonetheless a really good way. Comfrey softens that area. Now, I was reading in Matthew Wood's book that he was talking about comfrey causes skin to grow so strong that it appears to be calloused. And it made me immediately think that that way that that toenail is in growing is that the skin there is too soft. It needs to be tougher. And the comfrey can really toughen it up. So the comfrey will make the toenail more flexible so it's less likely to poke in to the flesh and will make the flesh tougher and stronger, partly because of the allantoin in the country, partly because of the tannins in the country, which work hand in hand to increase strength as well as to increase softness. Kind of seem like different things, but they actually go together. Wow, go country. And that, that's what I have to say about that. Yay, Comfrey. Yay, Comfrey. All right. Um, let's see. We have another email question. We do not have anyone with their hands raised, but I will remind everyone listening, do press one if you have a question for Susan this evening. Um, do you like another email question? Oh, yes. All right. Here we go. Um, hi, Susan. Green blessings to you. I would like to eat more mushrooms. I eat the regular types that I can get at the store, like shiitake, portobello, and crimini. I've seen lots more types available at the grocery, but they are all dried. What are your thoughts on dried mushrooms, both as a food and as medicine? I've seen mushroom powders available too, and I would like your thoughts on mushroom in powdered form. Are those considered supplements? If powders are not recommended, what ways do you recommend getting more mushrooms in my diet and which mushrooms are most important for me to include? Many thanks. What a lovely question. The research seems to indicate that a mushroom is a mushroom is a mushroom. And that it doesn't really matter what kind of mushroom. So if you're happy with the ones that you're already happy with, you can just stay happy with those and keep eating them. It's really okay. I especially like to know about some wild mushrooms and to have some wild mushrooms in my diet in an easy way to have wild mushrooms in my diet is to live in an area where they grow. Is there a difference between wild plants and cultivated plants? Mm, yeah, I think so, just like there's a difference between a mountain lion and a cat. There's a whole other energy that is to say about the wild plants. So I don't feel like I've eaten a lot of wild mushrooms. The things that we want from mushrooms are maintained through the drying process. In other words, they're not volatile. 
And this is one of the reasons why mushrooms are often cooked for extended periods of times, why they can be items of trade as dried uh, things, and why they are sold as powders. Powders can be an exceptionally easy way to use mushrooms. You may want to check out the work that Paul Stamets is doing. It's very interesting work. There are basically two big sources of medicinal mushrooms. Fungi perfecti, Paul Stamets' business, and a business called real mushrooms. What Paul sells, Paul Stemmett sells, is mycelium. He doesn't grow the mycelium out to the fruiting body and then harvest that and throw the mycelium away. He actually uses the mycelium itself. His products have been used in scientific studies and have been shown to be highly effective in those scientific studies. And you can buy powders of his blends as well as single mushrooms. Real mushrooms is the actual mushrooms, not the mycelium. And so far as I know, those are all grown in China. Yes, exactly. One thinks immediately of pollutants in the air, pollutants in the water, pollutants in the soil. Supposedly, they're grown organic. I haven't been there. I can't say whether or not that could even be actually true. In addition, most herbal suppliers, like for instance Frontier, sells the major medicinal mushrooms like reishi and cordyceps and others in powdered form. I use mushroom powders and sneak them into a lot of different foods. They often have very little taste. I use dried mushrooms in soups where I'm going to be cooking the soup for a significant period of time. And mushrooms that dry up really hard like shiitake, I will usually smash into small pieces or do how dry they are. If they're a little less dry, I use a good strong pair of kitchen shears to cut them up into smaller pieces. And if I can't do that, then I will pre-soak them in boiling water before cutting them up and adding them to the soup. So that gives you somewhat of a tour. How about you, Sarah? Do you use dried mushrooms or mushroom powders? I do use mushroom powders. I use the real mushroom powders. Um, I get lion's mane and cordyceps. Did I say that right? Cordyceps? Cordyceps. And um, I have some reishi, but that one to me does taste a little bitter. So I use that one really sparingly. Um, 
But I, I enjoy using them in food, especially the lion's mane. I really like adding that even to other mushroom dishes um, or like adding it to meatloaf. Um, yeah, they're easy to add to things, um, to stir fries, especially to pasta. Yeah. I add it to my bread dough when I'm making bread. Oh, yes. You know, I I did that. It's funny that you mentioned that just today. I used some of the reishi powder. I made dog biscuits, and I added it to the wheat flour in the dog biscuits. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> <laughs> and I agree with you. I think the reishi tastes really quite bitter. Yeah. Yeah. I overdid it in some pasta one night, and it was kind of like, oh, yikes. That <laughs> <reishi>. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is fun to be able to get wild mushrooms. There is that is an extra special treat. I don't know much about identification myself, but I've been able to get some lion's mane that was wild and um some morels were wild and oh it just feels really extra special when that happens. Absolutely. And you don't have to know all the mushrooms to know a few edible ones. Yeah, morels, once I saw it, once I was given it that someone else harvested and, and ate it for the first time, it's like, oh, my gosh, I see these. Of course, they're very easy to identify. Um, yeah. Exactly. So it's almost time for morels here. The same, so, not, same not, thing with limonene. With which one? It's not limonene. like you're going to. You said that you had found some wild lion's mane? I, I I didn't find it. I was someone cooked ah. for me that sound, but I saw cooked it, him. so I know what you mean. It's definitely it's it's, it's beautiful. It's very so. unique, right? Yes. Yeah. you're yeah. not going to mistake that for anything else, or anything mm-hmm. else for it. So yes, right. you you can get into trouble with mushrooms and don't go tasting them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. uh, <laughs> But you can learn pretty easily a few good edibles and enjoy a little bit of wild mushroom now and then. Yes. Yeah. Mushrooms are fun. A whole nother world. Yes. And, you know, I'm going to be teaching this year at the Midwest Women's Herbal Conference put on by Linda Conroy, who made a really interesting decision the Midwest Women's Herbal Conference, as many conferences, was kind of small the first year and bigger the second year and really big the third year. And, oh, my gosh, does she need a new place? Mm. And she decided that what she was going to do, rather than expand the conference, she was going to keep the conference the same size and she was going to do another conference and that it was going to be a woman's Mushroom Conference. And every year now, Conroy runs a Women's Mushroom Conference. So if you're into mushrooms, go to Midwest Women's Herbal Conference, or Linda Conroy, and find out about her Mushroom Conference. It's great fun. Yeah, 
am chock full of information and I've been to the Midwest Women's Herbal and it is such a lovely time. So I'm so glad it's going to be live and in person again this year. That's so lovely. And hey. yeah. Yay. Definitely. Yay, yay, yay. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to remind everyone again, if you've got a question tonight, um, remember to press one so that we see you in the queue and Susan can answer your question. We can hear you live. Um, we do have one more email question if you want to hear that. Um, sure. So, okay, let me see. I've got to open this one up electronically here. So let me get to that. All right. So, um, hi, Susan. I have heard a lot about CMOS. It is an algae, and I've heard that you can buy it and make it into a gel form that is beneficial to eat. I know that you talk about incorporating seaweed in the diet. Seamoss seems to be popular and trending right now, and I was curious if you knew anything about it and if it is something that you think is worth trying and buying. It's very interesting to see how things cycle. This is Irish moss is another name for it. Or agar agar, and if you look in your yogurt and all the food in the supermarket, there's plenty of agar agar already in your food. So, um, you know, it gets kind of, you know, every 25 years or so, suddenly there's a big, oh, look, we can we can use this and we can make gelatin with it. And yes, you can. And um, it seems to me that it's not something with much staying power. So enjoy yourself, experiment with it, and see if you want it as a regular part of your diet. And if you do, great. And if you don't, that's fine. It's not moss. It's a seaweed. Irish moss. Because it looks kind of like white, mossy stuff. But it is um, a seaweed and... uh, yeah, it does get very thick, and that can be fun. Although, as a culture, we've kind of stepped away from those kind of slimy desserts. We used to serve rennetted milk, which is a kind of slimy dessert, for uh, years and years and years. And uh, I'd be curious if you uh, do decide to give it a whirl if you give us a call and let us know uh, how it went what you made that you liked thanks for asking wow Irish moss that reminds me I used to use a hair product that had Irish moss in it it was like something for curly hair to hold moisture in in hair <laughs> and it right. was fine <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's very widely used in a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. It had an interesting smell, too. I don't know if that was the Irish moss or something else in there, but it smelled really yes. earthy, like, like earthy. mossy. Well, the Irish moss would smell very oceany. Oh, okay, yeah. It must have been something else in there because it was slimy, but it, it didn't smell like a normal hair product, that's for sure. But it didn't smell like the ocean so or fishy, so that's good. <laughs> Um, yeah. Interesting. I didn't, I've never eaten that. 
Um, let's see. I, we don't have another question. Um, I have something I could run by you, well, I was, especially in light of. Yeah, I've, actually, I was wondering about this yesterday, and um, I was thinking it's probably a good idea. But okay, so I have a boxer, a dog, and um, they're prone to get corneal ulcers, and uh, she got one. So was doing some home stuff, but I have another dog, and that dog's tail is at the exact right height that it gets her in the eye, like frequently. Um, yeah, it's just right there. It's just how it's how it is. And uh, so the ulcer got worse because every time the dog blinks, just blinking apparently is enough to aggravate it. So the the tail is just another thing for that. So at any rate, I took her to the vet yesterday, and they did a procedure where temporarily they stitched her third eyelid closed to serve as a patch for the eye and we still prescribed drugs so i know that things still you know are cornea to treat because they prepared a serum drop of her own blood which was so interesting um something in the protein blood yeah stimulate healing in the cornea but um, she's plenty happy for me to put any type of compress on her face. She has to wear a comb. She is happy or she's unhappy? She's happy for compress. She's happy. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't know if a comfrey compress would be a good idea or something. I think so. Yeah. Yay. Comfrey is renowned for healing ulcerated surfaces. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See how this works. I've been working on comfrey, and the dog is sitting there watching me. She's like, "Let me show you something." <laughs> wow, animals are amazing. <laughs> so I was yeah, reading we'll an do- I was reading an article um, from a back issue of the New Yorker. This is from this past December. It's not that back, and it's an article about photosynthesis. which, as we all know, is pretty miraculous. The article has a great beginning. It says, this story begins about two billion years ago when the planet spun faster, the sun rose every 21 hours, and the earliest continents were just forming. Most of the globe was given over to microbes, that te- given over to oceans that teemed with microbes, And the cyanobacteria mastered a peculiarly powerful form of alchemy where they learned to live off sunlight and converting it into sugar. As a waste product, they gave off oxygen. The cyanobacteria were so plentiful and so good at what they did that they changed the world. They altered the ocean's chemistry and then the chemistry of the atmosphere of the entire planet. Wow. Wow, huh? Formerly in short supply, oxygen became abundant, and anything that couldn't tolerate it died off or retreated Mm. to a dark, airless corner. One day, another organism, a sort of proto-algae, devoured a cyanobacteria. Instead of being destroyed, as you might expect, the bacteria took up residence. And this accommodation sent life in a new direction. The secret to photosynthesis Mm. 
was passed to that algae and all its heirs. Wow. Photosynthesis. A billion years went by. <laughs> Turn the page. Billion years. Our planet's rotation slowed. The continents crashed together to form a supercontinent. Rodinia then drifted apart again, and the algae airs began to diversify. One side stuck to the water. Another branch set out for dry land. <laughs> These were probably related to liverworts. Eventually, they were joined by ferns and mosses. There was so much empty space and <laughs> available light that plants, as one botanist put it, found terrestrial life irresistible. Wow. The rise of plants made possible the rise of plant-eating animals. Two hundred million years later, plants with flowers appeared. Mm. Charles Darwin was deeply troubled by this. He described the sudden appearance of flowering plants in the fossil record as an abominable mystery. What? <laughs> doesn't sound very fun. <laughs> <laughs> <Goodness>. <laughs> <laughs> Through all of this, plants continued to make a living the same way they had since that ancient cyanobacteria took up with the ancient algae. Photosynthesis. And photosynthesis changed when humans began to domesticate plants. 10,000 years ago, or when we figured out how to irrigate, fertilize, and finally hybridize them. Photosynthesis has always worked well enough until now. What do they mean until now? I don't know. That's what I was going to ask you. What's now? Well, I looked it up just because I was curious. In the year that I was born, 1946, the population of the world was 2.38 billion. The population of the world in the end of 2021 was 7.85 billion. Wow, that's a lot more people. That is three and a third times more people. And fewer people are going to bed hungry. But we're not stopping there, are we? World population is estimated to be 10 billion by 50. Mm. I could conceivably live to 2050. You will certainly live to 2050. 10 billion people. How are we going to feed them all? Wow, it's right around the corner. How are we going to feed 10 billion people? I remember back in the 70s when we were sure that we were lemmings about to go to the edge of a cliff 
and that we were going to just, our population was just going to cause millions upon millions of people to die of starvation. But that isn't what happened. Mm. Instead, we had a green revolution. And that green revolution came about by hybridizing plants to make them produce more so that you could get better yield from the same land and the same amount of work. And that was certainly a noble thing to do. And it worked. However, those plants turned out to be kind of unsturdy. Mm. They needed fertilizers and herbicides and pesticides, which have really messed things up big time. So now they're thinking maybe, maybe if we could get photosynthesis to be a little more effective, we could get more food from the same amount of land with the same amount of work and not have to need fertilizers and herbicides and pesticides. A photovoltaic cell does the same thing as photosynthesis, right? I've never heard In the laboratory, photovoltaic cells can turn about 50% of the sunlight that they get into actual usable energy. Out of the real world, it's more like 20%. Photovoltaic cells on roofs and those arrays are probably working at about 20% conversion. Most plants... During photosynthesis, use 1% of the light available to them. Hmm. There's room to up that, isn't there? Seems like lots of room. Yes. So what a fascinating thing. Now, on the way to here, there was a very interesting quote. You will remember that one of my hobby horses this year is misuse of the word evolution to mean better. Mm-hmm. We are evolving into a, a better humanity. Don't you want to evolve into your best self? And one of the biologists says evolution is not about being better. It's not about being productive it's about getting your genes into the next generation. Mm. Wow. That definitely makes sense. <laughs> Bottom line. Yeah. Bottom line is not better. It's, will you be here? <laughs> Will you be here? Hmm. So, they are tinkering around with plants, and the article goes into great detail about the very many ways that they're doing it. And there's a kind of interesting aside, which is that they are, of course, have in mind 
um, small farmers who are being adversely and disproportionately affected by climate change. Mm. And partly because the Green Revolution had a really stultifying effect on small farmers because of the needs for more capital inputs. So the next Green Revolution, we're hoping, will reverse that trend and make life better for small farmers. However, the writer of this article, who is Elizabeth Colbert, with a K, K K-O-L-B-E-R-T, says, there are already lots of really great super productive varieties for small farmers all over the world that they aren't using. Hmm. We don't we don't necessarily need to like do genetic modification to change the plants. We we already have bitter cultivars and their farmers are skeptical. Oh, wow. And they'd be even more uh-huh. skeptical of GMOs. And one of the reasons they're skeptical is that the better plants are hybrids. And you and I have talked about this, right? That mm. most gardeners can't save their seeds because they grow hybrids. And right. why did we start growing hybrids? Because you get better crops for less effort. But you can't save the seed because they're hybrids. Mm. And so many small farmers throughout the world depend on being able to save their seeds. So they don't want these better hybrids. Oh, it's very convoluted. Now, yeah. the, the Melissa and Bill Gates Foundation has invested in this very heavily. And when this was brought up to them, well, you know, why are we even doing this if the small farmers really aren't even going to use these seeds that we're creating? And they said, we absolutely understand that right now they won't use them. But if climate change gets more severe, they may change their minds. And at that point, we won't have all this time to create these varieties. Mm. And I thought that was such a forward-thinking answer. Mm-hmm. Let's create this now so that if climate change gets worse and we need it, we have it on hand. And the best-case scenario, we don't need it. Yeah, 10 million people is a lot of people. A billion, sorry. 10 billion people. It's hard to wrap my head around. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. It's a very big number. Yeah. It's a very big number. Yeah. Is Luba with us yet? Yes, I do see Luba. She is dialed in and here with us. Well, let's move into talking to... Luba Evans, one of the most sought-after, acclaimed, and distinguished love and relationship coaches in the world for highly accomplished professional women who want to live their best life. Luba's personal growth and development company has been serving clients for over 20 years, and her work has been recognized as a significant contribution to human development by Harvard Business Forum. Welcome to the show, Luba. We're very honored to have you with us. 
Susan, thank you so much. I'm so excited to join your show. I've been your fan for so many years. And not just me, actually, my friends as well. Many, many friends that I have love you. That's great. Could you turn your volume down just a tiny bit? Oh, I can just be a little bit further. From... Is this better? Um, well, yeah, I still have to hold the phone at arm's length. So, can you hear me well, or you you can? I'm yes. What I'm saying is, I'm hearing you too well. Oh, it's, okay. it's extremely loud and echoey. Okay, okay. So let me call from a different number. I'm in Costa Rica right now. Is this a little better? Yes, this is much better. Oh, okay, wonderful. Okay, okay. Not quite, not quite so echoey. We're really interested to hear about the Love Blueprint. Yeah. Yeah, Love Blueprint is a very interesting concept. And um, as you know, I help women find partners. And a lot of women come to me who have um, been very traumatized in the past. And they have been traumatized from past relationships and also relationships uh, you know, that didn't work out so well with their primary caregiver. So love blueprint is actually your relationship with love itself. And uh, when we start on the path of finding love, we write a letter to love. And what this relationship has really been. And thank love for certain things. And then also ask me one month as well. And then rebuild that relationship into a very healthy relationship. So our love, our love blueprint is something that we carry within us. And we learned it as children. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Very often uh, when we're growing up, we don't get the nourishment that we really crave for. And uh, sometimes we get messages like love is dangerous or, for example, a message like if you love someone, it's going to be hurting me. Or if you love someone, that someone is going to neglect me, criticize me, ignore me or dominate me or strangle me. And that is that relationship that we are striving to rewrite and recreate. Wow. Yep. Mm -hmm. And what I've noticed also is that when we have been traumatized in the past by somebody, we tend to be attracted and we tend to attract the same kind of energies because we want to make it right. Because those possibly toxic energies feel like home. And so sometimes the woman would think that somebody's her soulmate, while in reality she's just dating her wounded relative. You know? We call it the compulsion to recreate and overcome childhood hurts. And the difficulty is it never works. Exactly. It never works. But there is still an attraction. And very often a woman, especially a distinguished woman, a woman 
who was able to create something like her own, for example, business or her own movement is attracted to men who are kind of like projects. You know what I mean? And when she sees a man who is healthy, she kind of doesn't know what to do with him if, if she doesn't see how to apply herself to change him. So very often uh, a woman like that would find a healthy man just boring, you know. And so when we recreate that, of course, the first step is to develop a really higher level of self-love and self-acceptance and also come into place where your inner masculine admires your inner feminine and your inner feminine respects your inner masculine. So that's a very good step. And then we walk into something which I call deserving mind because you can't attract something that you think you don't deserve. And so that is, that is the first step in my system. Is, is that clear? Or how does it I don't understand the inner masculine. There's nothing in me that is masculine. Every cell in my body is XX. <laughs> okay. Every man uh-huh. has XY in his cells, so he is half man and half woman. It's true. But I'm all woman. I have no masculine of any kind. Okay. I can, if I'm I, running I, a chainsaw, I'm a woman running a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. If so, I'm shooting an arrow, I'm a woman shooting an arrow. I cannot be masculine. It's impossible. There is no inner masculine. That's a made-up thing because men have an inner feminine. Yeah, they definitely do. Well, They um, do, without a doubt. But no woman has an inner masculine, and it is demeaning to women to tell them they do. Yeah. It takes so, away their power to tell them they have an inner masculine. It makes mm-hmm. them think that everything that they do that's called is just their inner male. And it's not. <laughs> it's their female. <laughs> yeah. And I and don't really I, like the words masculine or feminine at all because those are cultural concepts. And a hundred years yeah. ago, feminine was blue and masculine was pink. Yeah, absolutely, and I also... So they change, really, and, you know, you're from a a south-of-the-border culture, which is different from a north-of-the-border culture, especially in male and female things and masculine Mm -hmm. and feminine things. Mm -hmm. So I I, I really like to defend a woman's right to be a woman and not to ever be told that she has any inner male. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, I totally respect your view on that. And in fact, I have a very strong grounding in non-duality. And to me, every duality is a construct. So this is just maybe to illustrate how different parts within yourself could be admiring each other. It doesn't have to be inner masculine or inner feminine. And I agree with you that it's a construct. But maybe it could be let's say your inner little girl and your and your inner adult or mother and many women who come to me don't have that relationship within themselves oh that so is so example, beautiful i love that thank you thank you for hearing me so well and for offering such a wonderful vision thank you maiden okay. mother crone and the maiden and the crone hold hands exactly absolutely 
absolutely but whatever it is the the first step is really to 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 love yourself and uh to see that your life has been a series of wonderful lessons and that's when i feel that we are free and that's when i feel that we step into more of a sovereign mind when we are not anymore depending on other people approving us or not approving us and so it it feels like this is a very very, very good way to walk into that space of attracting oh, Very, very good way to do that. I talk about the happy scrapbook and the crappy scrapbook. <laughs> yeah. And if you find you sitting with your crappy scrapbook, just put it away and get out the happy one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because exactly. Because it doesn't make you more important that terrible things have happened to you. Yeah, but exactly. I find that very, very successful women tend to think that. I agree with you, and and it's often uh, successful women tend to lead with their achievements, and achievements is specifically in terms of overcoming something, right? Right. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. And meanwhile, we can just really relax into into being ourselves and what is true now and into truly allowing ourselves to feel the truth. And I also want to tell you, Susan, that I've been a Tantra teacher also for many years and what I've noticed is that many women don't really allow themselves to truly feel what's happening, what's happening on the level of the body or what's happening in terms of what it is that they truly desire. And, and and that takes that takes courage, I guess, you know. It takes training. It actually takes training. It's you know, we really need to have places where women can go and learn about their sexuality because it doesn't just occur to most of them. It doesn't, like, one day they don't suddenly say, oh, this is how a woman is sexually. It's like this thing that is not going to uh, not gonna just come to you. Somebody else has to tell you. It's one of the reasons why women talk about sex. Yeah. Women are horrified. Men are horrified that we talk to each other so intimately. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But we do because, yeah. because we have to. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, absolutely. And and again, it, it does take courage again, especially if we were brought up in the old paradigm. And Susan, I don't know how this thought is going to resonate with you, but maybe you're going to love it. So let me just give it a shot. So I find it. I find that when we're able to kind of empty ourselves, there's this kind of like emptiness inside of the body which allows the body to let go of previous memories and just be free, that is the beginning of that reconnection with, with, with that sexuality to me. That's exactly that's exactly how I suggest that people let go of trauma. Wow. It's a day acknowledge that everything is made of atoms and that atoms are made of space. Yeah. And that trauma, which seemed to be two things colliding, was really space moving through space. And so what I hear you saying is learn to be spacious. 
Oh my God, I love it. I love it so much. And out of the elements, actually, escape is my very favorite. And also, I, I just want to say to, to your audience that there are some really good practices that allow us to shake up those atoms, to shake them up and literally shaking. And so we have this um, practice which is called Kundalini Shake, when we just allow for the rhythm of the earth to go through the body as we become kind of like a leaf on the wire. And there is a specific music that goes with that, and I often also use the rattle. And uh, we just allow for that shaking to, to help us shake things off and let go of things and create more space between those atoms, you know? And that is yeah. definitely the beginning. That's the beginning of freedom. To give yourself space. Yes. 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 How wonderful. How brilliant. Do you actually have a way to help people navigate online dating? Yes, actually, I do. And I want to tell oh you that. I've been, yes, and I've been doing it before we were forced to go online. Because, so I'm a veteran, actually. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. It just seems like, you know, what are the chances? You know, like everybody's probably, you know, p- posting pictures that aren't even of them and lying and all of that. It's like, oh, I'm so glad, you know, that I'm not dependent on that. But but it sounds like you found a way to make it work. Thank you so much. Well, we have a system which uh, utilizes online dating as well as working with your own network of people and also finding strategic events and locations and just going out, having a wonderful time, and knowing also how to be open and how to open contact in a beautiful way. So I don't just rely on online dating, and I know a lot of women really hate it. And, and of course, it, it, it is challenging, but there is a way, you know, there is a way to navigate that space. And it starts with being very clear on who it is that you want to attract. That is number one. And I want to say that many women, especially after uh, women who are spiritual, uh, they need for their soul to be turned on. And I think that this is not the age anymore of babysitting anyone or, or looking for someone to just, you know, pass time with. I personally absolutely hate it when I had to think, okay, so how are we going to kill time tonight together? So that is definitely not for me. The women that I work with, we all want to co-create with with a man. Not necessarily your own business, but co-create something so that the partnership would mean something more than just being alone. So the partnership would mean something more for the universe. And so very often a woman who's accomplished has a kind of a hard time dreaming who would that person be who would truly make her soul, like like soulgasm, who, who would turn on her soul. So that is a very important step as well. Yes. Whoa. I love that you pay attention to that. That's Thank great you. because I've been chewing on this little quote from Marilyn Monroe. And I think, this, I, I, why am I upset by this? And she says, a career is wonderful, but you can't cuddle up with it on a rainy day. 
so where does this man live? Like, what does he do? What is like, where do we meet him? What kind of events does he go to? And then we right. gear up that, you know? Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Uh, one of the yeah, big, one of the big dualities that most people believe in is that either you're free, you're single, you're alone, you can do whatever you like, or you're in a committed relationship, and that's it. You can have no others. Oh my God! I, I have never believed that, and I have never acted that way. As a matter of fact, I resigned from being a wife almost exactly 50 years ago, and I've never looked back. (laughs) I I totally understand. Yeah, actually, me too. I have a boyfriend uh, who is much younger than me. He's a musician, and we co-create music and and art, and and it works that way. But I actually do love my freedom a lot and spaciousness. And what I believe in is agreement clear agreements, and I feel that sometimes there are also clear sexual agreements, and it doesn't have to, that maybe it doesn't always have to be forever, you know? And it feels like some people think that if a relationship didn't last forever, is this some kind of a failure? I don't believe that at all. I believe that as we're walking on the earth together for a certain period of time while we are enriching and nourishing each other. Great. But then when we don't, it's much better also to just keep walking and possibly meet other fellow travelers on the way and possibly create those clear agreements. Maybe, you know, maybe even with time frames and maybe with some other kind of rules. So I am really, I'm really into that. Very interesting to me as women have become less and less involved in that particular cultural paradigm of in order to have a child, I need a husband. And to mm-hmm. see how many um, husbandless women are simply cho- choosing to have children now. Yes, it is true. Well, yeah, I changed my mind about that before. You know, I gave birth when I was 17. Uh, So for me, motherhood was very sacred, and I couldn't believe that some women don't want to know it. But I have to tell you now, I'm of a different opinion. I feel that, first of all, there's so many things happening in the world. And also... You know, sometimes there are children of, 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 you know, the body, and sometimes there are children of the mind, and sometimes there are children of the soul or, or your students or, or your clients, you know. Uh, I actually also have a lot of uh, kind of adopted spiritual children. And, and so, yeah, I think we can create in so many different ways. Yes. Yes. I was just talking. I don't know if you heard the show, but I was just talking to the father of a a 14-year-old, and he said something about, like, well, she's so young. And I said, you know, the vast majority of 14-year-olds on this planet are married, and many of them will be expecting their first child next year. <laughs> That's so true. And, uh, yes, and I think, uh, yeah. yeah. And actually, yeah, COVID pushed the average age of marriage down to 12. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, yeah. yeah, so we always... 
We're mostly Hello. We didn't have someone else on the line. Oh, there they go. Yeah. Goodbye. There's somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So whenever so, we do something for 20 years, there's always a story or two about some disaster or some miracle. Would you like to tell us one of those stories? Disaster or miracle? Or dis- yes. maybe disaster sometimes is a miracle, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. That could be. Oh, my God. So, I, um, so would you like me to come up with an example of a disaster or a miracle in a relationship or finding someone? Like sure. Our topic in general. Okay. All right. Well, I can tell you that some miracles that actually happen in, in, in well, disastrous miracles. <laughs> some women who come to my program uh, in, in three months, for example, can say, you know what? I don't want to be with a guy. And you might think it's a disaster, but actually it's not. They just like just started loving themselves. Or somebody would come in like after miracles, for example, and they had a terrible relationship with their ex-husband. And all of a sudden when they start getting into the self-love, deserving mind, magnetism, and, and all of those incredible things, all of a sudden this ex-partner comes back in a completely different way and starts treating them totally differently. And, you know, I have to say that before I didn't allow women who are in relationships into the program, but I started to, oh, my God, oh, yeah, yeah, out of miracles, I have twins in, in one of my programs, twins. And they often get to work with each other in breakout rooms. And my God, they mirror each other in such in such an incredible way. And in fact, both of them were married to to, to guys that they really did not like. But after they got into the program, like both of those husbands completely turned around. That was a miracle, I would say, especially considering that those women were twins. You know, so yes. that was yeah, yeah, quite and amazing. They, Yes, I also want to tell you that I have many women who come who feel very young uh, when they're in the 50s or 60s and they come and they say, you know what, I look young, I feel young, I don't know, I can't even date men for my age, like I can't, you know, especially on the East Coast actually, because it feels like on the West Coast men take better care of themselves holistically. But on the East Coast, like, it's a slightly different situation. And so what, um, what happens many times, again, in my program is that a woman like that comes in and she becomes even younger and, and in her 70s, and I swear to you, in her 70s, she starts to feel like she's 20 years old again and often actually meets a guy who is younger, and that works out really well for many women. Really, really well. When you're not looking for uh, spiritual realization through another person, you know, when you're looking, when you're not looking for a man to to tell you who you are, um, all those things are completely possible and can be really pleasurable. So I saw a lot of miracles of that kind. You know, I can tell you that. Yeah. 
Mm. I have been so fascinated by all that you have had to say that I have been a little negligent. Please forgive me in not asking you before now to tell people how to get in touch with you. Oh, of course. Thank you so much. So I have um, my website is, I have a couple of websites. One is called lubaevans.com and another one is called empoweredwomanhood.com empoweredwomanhood.com if you want to just like learn about me that's lubaevans.com but empoweredwomanhood.com has my master class on the four steps on how to come into the relationship that you want even if that didn't work for you for whatever reason and you know I also want to add just for a little time that we have also that many women experience the following. One part wants to be with a partner and another part doesn't. So for a variety of reasons. So one of the things that is very important is to get very clear and to get this very clear message into the universe. And that's what I strive for. So if, if, if being with someone is really important to you, then we need to look into this other part and see how, why is it objecting and what is it afraid of and how to handle that. And if you're actually much better by yourself, great. So we got that out of the door. So no more, you know, no more search. So that's all good. But whatever it is, there needs to be this clarity and self-love and magnetism we didn't talk about today, but maybe some other day. Yes, some other day. Good topic. So it is time then for me to ask you what you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's been listening to you. My main message, Susan, is this. In fact, it's not just for women, but it's kind of my, my message to humanity. I believe in spirit over matter. I really do. You know, my whole life actually is an illustration for that. And um, I just want to say that whatever it is that you want, you can get it. You can attract it. You can call it in. I've seen it over and over and over again for many, many years. And I want everyone to just believe in that. I think that is the most important for me to say. That if you are clear about what you want, you will get it. I always mm-hmm. have to tell the story of my mother who was asked, what do you want? You know, by someone who's saying you can always have what you want. And, you know, my mother, who was in her 80s at that point, rather flippantly said, clean sheets on my bed every day. Amazing. And within the week, my father became incontinent. Mm-hmm. And she said, wow. I got sheets on my bed every day. She said, but I had to put them there. She said, just like <laughs> in the fairy tales, you really have to be careful what you ask for. Well, here is some serious magic. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so you could get what you ask for, but be careful what you ask for, because you'll get it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And also walk it, walk it, step by step. Just walk it in your mind. Just see it, see it, and it's going to. 
There you, there it will be. Luba Evans, thank you so much for being with us. I envision that we are reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients, and I thank you for all of the beautiful fibers and patterns that you have brought into the weaving tonight. And Stella Ellen, thank you so much for um, helping make the Comfrey Conference, for weaving that together, and uh, all of us for restoring herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Thank you all. Green blessings and good night. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.